we could just have a word of prayer before we get started. Father in heaven, just thank you so much for uh, your son who came with, down and died on the cross so that we could be saved. You give us the Holy Spirit uh, that comes into our hearts and transforms us. Just ask now that uh, you be with us in this uh, session, that your name may be glorified and that people can truly see you and grasp an understanding um, in good situations and difficult circumstances. We praise your name, in Jesus' name, amen. So uh, my name is Rick Beckemeyer and I have a small dental practice in Niles, Michigan. And um, Carlos uh, Moretta asked me to uh, help out with this. When I heard the theme of the meetings that uh, we're having today, uh, it really intrigued me for several reasons. Uh, one is that it talked about faith and the other reason is it talked about becoming whole. And one of the things that we did when I was going on some trips uh, internationally is we had a little survey that we asked people. Uh, and this was in um, uh, a, a lot of different places, um, Albania, uh, Ukraine. Uh, we went to um, uh, the Philippines and asked this one simple question. And the uh, question was, what is faith? And a lot of people hadn't really um, uh, dug into that question because it's almost like answering the question, what is love? Uh, and it's one of those words where there's a whole, uh, there could be a whole book just in those uh, one words. And so, um, I started asking people what, uh, what faith was and the, the standby uh, text that a lot of people would go by, uh, go to would be Hebrews 11.1. 1. And faith is the sub substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. And so I asked them, what does that mean? And um, when you break it down just a little bit, uh, and I asked myself the same question, what uh, am I hoping for? Uh, so faith is giving me something to hope for. And one of the things that I'm hoping for is actually to be with Jesus. And uh, then what is the evidence of me wanting to be with Jesus? And it has to be the focus of my life. And so uh, in this session, what we're gonna be dealing with uh, is actually Describing the faith uh, that makes you whole. When you're made whole, what does that feel like? And as a provider and as a teacher, uh, how is that actually um, working for the provider? And how does that work in our, um, in our practices? And so I have Rahel Wells here uh, today with me because she has had some very um, interesting situations, to say the least, where she has actually reached out, um, like the, the woman touching Jesus's uh, garment and um, was made whole. And I'd like her to kind of introduce herself and um, um, then kind of describe that situation um, where Jesus made her whole. Hello, everyone. We can't see your faces, but we trust that you're there and, and alive and well. Um, yeah, so I'm Rahel and I, I teach at Andrews University in the religion department. Um, I really love my job. I feel very blessed. I have a background in biology as well, a master's in biology. So I, I love both science and theology. It's fun to kind of try to bring them both together. But um, why? Dr. Beckermeyer asked me to come was because I have had some really challenging circumstances in my life where I've had to, yeah, really see God's healing, where I've gotten to, I've had the privilege of seeing God's healing power and seeing the, the, how faith has helped me to walk through the, the dark valleys. 
Um, and the main one that I'm going to talk about is it happened five years ago. And I was youth leader of, at my church at the time. And I would, I lived near this park um, in town and I would take my youth group there often when it was nice weather to play tag, yeah, lava tag, which is where you can't touch the ground. The ground is lava. If you touch it, you, you know, you become it. And this playground is really amazing because it's all interconnected. So you can run around a lot of different places without touching the lava. And I'd played this many, many times before and I was it. Um, and I was chasing one of the kids. I was very close to getting them. I used to be decently fast as a runner. And um, there was this very long platform that you ran down. Well, I mean, you could run lots of places, but where we were running down and at the end of it, there used to be a bridge that connected it to another section of the playground. And that bridge was broken, had been for a while. So we played at that point, you could jump down onto the ground and not get, not become it. So you could touch the lava for a few steps. So the kid jumped off the bridge. I was jumping off the bridge right behind him, but there's a, there was a board about a foot and a half tall at the end of that bridge that had used, or at the end of the platform that used to connect the bridge to um, the other part. And there's a small gap under that board. And I caught my left toe, left leg, left foot underneath that gap as I was running full momentum. And so um, my knee, my shin hit the board because my foot didn't come out. And so my knee snapped backwards. So rather than bending forwards, it snapped backwards and it shattered my tibia and it shot and it what I didn't know at the time until later was it also severed my femoral artery which is the main artery of course that brings blood to your foot and the rest of your leg goes right behind your knee so I you know flew through the air I mean you could hear the loud crack I knew my knee was broken I didn't you know I didn't know all the other stuff that was going on and many people that get this injury die within a few minutes or they flatline their heart stops pumping because you lose so much blood so quickly but that was the first miracle that I did not have that. Um, it took about 15 minutes for the ambulance to come. And I just, I knew my knee was very badly broken. I you know, you just sense, you know, you just, you can't, I couldn't, I moved my upper leg, but my lower leg just stayed in place. I'm like, this is really not good. But I believe the Lord already there preserved me because my bone did not go the, through the skin. If it had, I probably would have lost so much blood that, you know, I would have died or been in much worse condition. But as it was, the blood was just filling up my leg, the compartments in my leg. So it, it crushed all the nerves. So I still can't feel in my lower leg. Um, so they rushed me to the hospital and they took x-rays and they're like, oh, yep, your knee's broken. Your tibia shattered. We're, we're going to, you know, you're ninth in line for surgery. There's, you know, all these other people in front of you. And so I, you know, I was taking selfies. I was, you know, having a grant. I mean, I was on hyped up on pain meds. So I had no idea how bad my condition actually was. And um, so the doctor, there's only one doctor on duty that day. And he, one surgeon, and he came out of surgery and he just so happened, which I believe is another miracle to be one of the few there who was board certified in trauma. And so he took a look at the x-rays and he said, wait a second here, she probably has vascular damage. So give her a CT scan. So they sent me to the CT scan and there they saw that indeed no blood was going to my foot and it had not been for a while. And so they, they bumped me over those nine people, sent me right into surgery. They were calling people, you know, nurses and doctors specializing in, in this. And I was in surgery for the next six hours through the night um, I almost lost my life on the operating table several times. I found out later they were, you know, giving me lots of blood, but they took my saphenous vein, the large vein in your leg, which is often used to give grafts and, um, you know, bypasses, bypass surgeries. And they took out the entire vein and turned it around and made it into an artery. And so they attached it at, to my femoral artery at my hip and then threaded it through the outside of my leg, right under the skin down to my ankle, where it still is today. Um, and then attached it down there to um, one of the viable arteries that, that came from the femoral. And, but they didn't even try to fix my knee because 70% of people with this injury and even with this graft, the graft does not stick. 
and within a very short time, they end up having to amputate. So they were anticipating that, hoping it wouldn't happen, but anticipating it. And so that was the, uh, the next miracle. I mean, there's probably many others here too, but I'm just telling you some of the highlights um, that there were doctors able to do this procedure not too long ago. This was not even something that could be done just a couple of decades ago. Um, and so this is a relatively new thing that is, that is being done. Um, and then the fact that it, it worked, I'm still, I still have a leg today. Um, it may not last forever. It's the average lifespan is about 10 years. So it's been five for me now. So, but I'm, I try to take good care of myself and they're hopeful that it can last longer, but you know, you don't know, but I'm grateful for every day that I do have a leg, another leg. Um, and so then I was in ICU for about a week and then they were able to do the second surgery, you know, on, to actually fix my knee. I have many, 20, 30 plates and screws and all sorts of things holding my knee together. Um, and then I was on three months of bed rest, no weight bearing on the leg and about another month or three or four weeks in the hospital still. And then I finally went home. Um, and so they were telling me even the hospital, they were like, you probably are not gonna really be able to walk very well again. Um, and I also was having trouble with my ankle cause I, I, don't, I didn't have any official injury there but just the tendons got all screwed up and I still can't bend it in the same way as my other ankle. And so, and then my big toe was stuck down like this. Uh, I couldn't move it, had no control over it. And so they said, you know, if these things don't resolve your, you know, which they very well may not, you will not be able to walk really again. Um, but they have both resolved. I've worked hard in physical therapy. And I also believe God had a huge part in this and that God works through doctors and God works through physical therapists. That, that was my experience. I didn't have some zap where God just suddenly made my, my leg normal again. Um, I still have the effects of this. I am on blood thinners for the rest of my life to try to preserve, well, at least as, as long as I have this leg try to preserve the, the vein and protect it from clots. And, you know, there's things I cannot do still. I, I um, can't really run very well. Um, I, get, I get cramps in the leg often. It swells up a lot. Um, I, I can't lift it behind me very well. Um, so, you know, kneeling is very difficult. I almost never kneel because I can't bend it fully all the other way. And so kneeling and squatting are very challenging but you adjust, you adapt. And, and the things that I can do compared to what I thought I was going to be able to do are, are really amazing. So I'm hiking, I'm backpacking slowly, but I'm doing those things again. And I'm able to swim again, um, cross country ski, do some, of the, do, do some of the active things that I love. And I definitely have functional use in my daily life. I, there's really nothing that I can't do in daily life that I would have done before. So um, I think, because I, you know, in some ways I, I remember in the hospital wishing they would just cut off my leg because it was so painful. I had so much pain that I, I just wanted it gone. I'm so glad they didn't listen to me. Um, and, but, but because it was so negative and challenging and difficult and I didn't think I was going to be able to do much of anything again, I thought I would lose my leg. I think those things really helped me to be able to hold on to the to the miracles that happened as a positive thing. So while I have had other things in my life that have been more difficult to, I, I went through a divorce. It was very much harder for me there, I think, to hold on to positivity. I think this, I, I because I could see on almost a daily basis, miracles happening, I could see, you know, things working better than they were before. And it, it you know, it gave me that encouragement to, hold on to, to faith and hope. And I know that doesn't happen in every circumstance, um, but it was just a reminder to me, one of the strategies that's helped me in tough times since then to look at those positive things. There's always gonna be negative things. I could spend the rest of my life frustrated and upset and sad that I can't do other things that I wanted to do. I used to be a marathon runner, triathlete. I, I can't do those things anymore. I can't bike, I can't run, but there are lots of things that I can do and it's really been helpful for me to think about those and to be grateful for the miracles that God has worked because I shouldn't have a leg and I probably shouldn't even be alive. Um, and I definitely shouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that I can do. 
So that's been one thing that's really helped me. And then I think to really also feel my feelings. This is one way through which, which God, I've really felt God close to me because a lot of times we're, yes, we, we want to look at the positives, right? And that's a good thing. But a lot of times we forget about the importance of feeling those feelings, walking through that dark valley with God, being honest with him about your feelings. And the Psalms are full of this. And um, it was really helpful to find for me a balance between those things, to grieve the losses, to be able to feel those feelings, work through them, but then to point my eyes towards, towards the positive things. So those are things beyond just tons of people in my life. I was single at the time, my church family, my friends, my immediate family. I just had so many people with whom God blessed me and helped me bringing me groceries and, you know, doing everything under the sun for me for three months. Um, and really the most amazing thing of all was that through that God um, led me to my current husband. I, I do not think there was any way we would have gotten married if it had not been for my accident, because I moved into this new apartment where I could fit a wheelchair and a walker. And um, he lived in that neighborhood and we had been friends before but he just would start coming by to, you know, help me out. I mean, just like everyone was, but we got to be better friends. And it was really through that, I think that experience. And he wanted, he's a backpacker as well. And he's like, we're going to get you backpacking. And I'm like, you're crazy. I can't even walk. You know, I don't, he's like, no, it's going to happen. And so he planned a backpacking trip for like a year out from that. And I thought he was a lunatic, but um, it turns out he was not. And we actually, when we ended up going on the backpacking trip with friends, we, we were dating at the time. We just started dating. So, you know, God brought beauty out of the brokenness as well. And so, you know, I think sometimes we don't see those things at the time when we're going through the darkness, but God, we can look back if we keep close to God and asking him for his eyesight of faith to look back and say, wow, you were doing these things when I couldn't see, you know, I, all I could see was the darkness, but God was working in the midst of that darkness. So I'm really grateful for all that he has done for me. Thank you, Rahel. Amen. Now, what we're also looking at is how far our faith actually stretches. The person uh, that touched Jesus's garment, it was actually 12 years. And the next person that I'd like you uh, to meet is Dr. Paul Sergio, and I'm going to share my screen, uh, hopefully successfully. Um, I taped this interview uh, two weeks ago because um, Paul is going through, um, he's a periodontist, and he, um, this will be described in the, in the interview, but he's currently uh, suffering with migraines uh, due to um, some tumor growth. And so um, I'd like to go ahead and see if we can switch over to, um, switch over to that video. Hello friends, and I would like to welcome you to a presentation for Amen, Adventist Medical Evangelist Network. Uh, I'm here today I, my name is John Baxter. I'm the uh, Human Resources Director for Adventist Frontier Missions. But more importantly, I'm here today with my friend, Paul Sergio. And uh, Paul and I have known each other for about 15 years. And we're going to talk a little bit about his faith experience, what he's been, uh, how he's grown through the time when he first accepted Christ, and what he's experiencing now. And uh, hopefully what we share a little bit together today will be a blessing to those of you who are listening to this program. So... Paul, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in South Bend, Indiana. South Bend, okay. And uh, in a uh, very loving uh, Christian uh, Catholic family. Okay, nice Italian family. Nice Italian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a nice. That's a nice. And uh, so, and, and you are a medically professional. What kind of medical professional are you? Um, a periodontist. Periodontist. Periodontal surgery, gum surgery, and okay. uh, dental implants. Okay, so that's your specialty. Yes. I'm glad you said that because not everybody knows what a, a periodontist does. No. So that's good. Okay, so you, you drill and then you fill and, and then you bill. No, <laughs> I don't. That's Rick. No. Uh, I, don't, I don't drill and fill. Okay. Um, no. I do, well, you put the post in. Anyway. Yes. Well, for, for implants. For implants. Yeah. All right, good. And you have a nice, large Italian family. 
I do. Um, Some I, of them are from uh, the old country? Yes, we got to go there and visit a few yeah. that I've never known before. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so. yeah, I remember when you came back, you told me a little bit about that trip. It sounded like a great time. So, uh, you have married, lovely yes, wife. Yes, Peggy. Peggy, Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue. Yeah. We should write a song about her, it's I think. That, she was named after the song. Was she really? Uh, yeah. And okay. I have four beautiful kids, thanks yeah. to my beautiful wife. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So good. It's good. Life good. is good. Okay, so... Uh, so you're a periodontist. What's your, what's your educational background? Well, I uh, grew up in South Bend, uh, went to Notre Dame for four years, <clears throat> and then uh, I went down to Bloomington, Indiana, oh, Indiana okay. University for some grad courses for a year, entered dental school in Indianapolis, and then... Was uh, that also IU, Indiana That's University. also IU, yes, uh -huh. and uh, it was four years there, and then uh, went to uh, Columbus, Ohio, Ohio State for my uh, post-grad uh, specialty. For periodontics. And then back home. Well, back home I didn't know you were in Ohio State. Yeah. Well, don't tell our Michigan friends. No. So. <laughs> and so uh, you said you were a large Catholic family. Um, at what point did you have an interest or did you hear about becoming a Seventh-day Adventist Christian? Actually, that uh, my journey into Christianity began when I was in my perio program. Oh, really? And uh, it was interesting because my first... Um, uh, my first encounter, or almost encounter, with the Adventists was down in Bloomington, and I would drive past an Adventist church every day. And I kept every time I drove past, I kept thinking, "I wonder what that's all about. I, I should check that out." But mm. I never, I never did. And then in dental school, I ended up having a couple of professors that were Adventists, and they were some of my favorite professors. And just, Great. and I found out later they were Adventists. But I, I uh, in in my postgrad program, I was really kind of out in the world, and I was. Working hard, studying hard, but partying hard as well, and sure. and so um, I got to the point where I was uh, I got uh, mononucleosis. I was down for a month and Ooh. couldn't even go to classes, and it was pretty bad. And during that time, a friend uh, invited me to go to a Bible study group, and she'd been asking me for months, and I kept finding reasons not to. But um, I finally thought, yeah, I might as well do it now. I can't do anything else anyway. Right. So. Right. Um, it was a non-denominational group, and they gathered on the floor uh, and sat on the floor in the jeans and opened up the Word, and, which in Catholicism back then we didn't do that too much. So. No, the Bible wasn't... Uh, we had a little snap on it, <laughs> and we kept it snapped. Yeah, and put so. it on the shelf. It looks good there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. so I started studying there, and actually uh, I'd gotten to the point where I thought, I, I don't know if I believe in God. I, I guess I do, because if I'm right, then I'm good, and if I'm wrong and it doesn't exist, then what difference does it make? I thought, well, that's not really a good reason. No, it sounds so, like a uh, Pascal's wager with a twist, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so we, we started studying, and what's, what's interesting is that they studied the um, book of Daniel, uh, chapter 2, and all of the Adventist teachings of Daniel and Revelation, that's what they were studying. Really? And they weren't Adventists. Well, and so that's what convinced me of God's uh, existence, and I started really enjoying that. And I kept going back, and then when I graduated and moved home, um, I started praying that I could find a, uh, a group that would follow the Bible, and I just wanted somebody that would really follow Scripture because I was seeing the differences from what I was reading in Scripture to what I was experiencing going to church. And um, so I went through several Bible study groups until I uh, finally I got an invitation for a Revelation seminar mm. First Church in South Bend. And did that come in the mail, or how did you get that invitation? It came in the mail once, and uh, it worked, and it got lost in my desk, and came in the mail again at home, and oh, it really? got lost in my desk, and it came in the mail a third time, and they never sent out a duplicate mailing. Uh, at, uh, I don't remember, I think that one was at home, too, and I thought, well, three times the Lord's knocking on my door, yeah, I should go to this. Yeah. So, I attended, and that's how I that's how I came in the Adventist well, Church. Well, so okay. it sounds like you were on a bit of a journey. Do you have a point where you can say, and, and not everybody has this experience, this is when I accepted Jesus as my Savior? Um, I, I think the biggest changing point was when I, I had um, a series of dreams, three nights in a row. Hmm. And I don't know if we have time for that story, but... Uh, um, it, it was not three nights in a row. It was, it was a dream and then two weeks and another dream and two weeks and another dream. And in the dreams, I couldn't, I couldn't remember the dream the next day. But kind of Nebuchadnezzar-like, it, huh? it, it was, and it came to me a few days later, each one of those dreams. And, I, and it was just a series of messages that brought me um, to uh, hiding the word in my heart uh, from, 
from a crucifix to a Bible to hiding the word in my heart. And great, so. great. Yeah, I, and, and I'm glad you said hiding the word in my heart because uh, when we have dreams, we want to make sure that they are consistent with the word. Mm -hmm. So obviously God was using that to draw you to himself yeah. and the word. So, so you go to this Revelation seminar and you meet these wonderful people and you hear this incredible message and... And I started keeping Sabbath and, and at that time when I got out of school I had started a practice and I'd hired staff and we were working uh, six days a week. And on Sunday... So that included Sabbath? And Sabbath, yeah. yeah. And on Sunday um, I didn't see patients but I was still working. I was doing work for the practice. And so when I became convinced of uh, the Sabbath, I thought, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I'm just, I was like a bank teller, money in, money out, you know, and I was living at lower cost than when I was in school. Um, and, uh, it, but I decided it was the right thing to do. And I had been praying all along that the Lord would show me the truth and that I would not just show me the truth because you can know the truth, but you've got to follow it. Follow it, right. And I said, if I, Lord, if you show me the truth uh, from your scripture, that I will follow that. And, uh, and so I decided I was going to start keeping the Sabbath, and uh, I did. And I, so uh, just time frame, when was that? What year, how long ago was that? That would have been in 1987. 87? 87, yeah. Is that when, now I'm assuming you got baptized? Um, not, no, I started keeping the Sabbath before baptism. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's good. So did, yeah. when, when did you end up getting baptized, do you remember? Probably within the next year. That's something I've always, I, I don't know the date of that. I'd like to find yeah, out. We'll talk about yeah. that afterward. Yeah. I'll tell you a little story that I, I've been blessed with. So 88, 87, 88, you're, yes. you hear the Advent message, you say, this is, this is true, I'm going to follow it. Yes. And it's a step of faith. It, it was. You yes. know, really a step of faith because your practice is kind of on the line. And, Absolutely. And, uh, and obviously here, we're sitting here, uh, what, 30 years later, more than 30 years later, and uh, you're still walking with Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, you still have your practice. Yes. So he hasn't let you down. Um, now you're an elder in the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Stevensville. Yes. How long have you been an elder? Well, I became an elder in the South Bend Church before oh, okay. we moved to Stevensville, and uh -huh. I think... We've been in Stevensville, I don't know, like you said how long we've known each other, yeah, but probably 15, 15 years, years maybe, yeah. if that's mm -hmm. what I'm thinking. And so I was an elder there, and then I was uh, in the Stevensville church for some time and became an elder in the church there. Yeah, okay, so, um, and I don't know, I'm not looking for a word, but maybe a description. How would you describe your growth in faith? My growth in faith? Well, I... Because there was, you had a definitive... You had to take a stand there on Sabbath yes. issue, yes. and and then how would you describe your growing? Well, you know, when I think about reaching out in faith, um, it reminds me of the photos I've seen and the artwork I've seen of of God's hand reaching down and man's hand reaching up to take mm -hmm. His hand. And so, the hand of grace reaching down and the hand of faith has to reach up and take it. And um, as I was uh, studying in my morning worship uh, this last week. Um, it, it occurred to me that I, you could take that analogy a little further. And if I think of Christ being in, in a boat and us being safely in the boat with him, but as you grow in life, you start to want to venture out and, and get into the water. But you hold on to the boat and Christ will pull you back in. You know, always safe, but you've got to take <laughs> yeah. his hand and get back in. And so as you venture out into the water, you keep getting further and further, and the waves start getting rough, and there's, there's times mm. in life when things are, are more difficult. And, and you can have trust because you've always known in the past that God's always been there. Christ has always been there for you. So you, you build that trust. It's not blind faith. Mm -hmm. But um, you can hope that you will be saved, but hope doesn't get you there because uh, you, you've got to be able to have the faith to reach out. And unless you reach up and grab his hand and he pulls you back in, then, you're, you know, that's... You're going down. Yeah. yeah, and so I think that I had to reach a low point when I was sick in order to say, yes, I'll go to this Bible study, and that was that first step in that direction. So and we're, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here, and we'll come back to it, but you have God has used sickness to actually draw you to himself in the past. So... Um, I just want to mention this. Uh, 
because and for those who are, are listening, um, you and I share a common love for art. Uh, in particular, we like Nathan Green's art. Yes. And, um, yes. But you also have amazing photographs. And so I encourage Thank anybody you. who's watching, go on Facebook and uh, make Paul your friend. He's got these beautiful photographs he takes. And then he puts uh, scripture verses with them. And they're, they're suitable for framing. And I really, really appreciate that. If oh, you look you. on my uh, Facebook posts, um, probably 95% of it are your photographs with Bible verses. So. Thank you. No, really, I appreciate it. So, and, and I'm just curious, uh, is there something that inspired you to do that? Was it was the, the idea well, of you've seen artwork and this is your way? Of I, um, I used to do uh, oil painting and drawing and, oh, really? and sculpture and, and different forms of art, which really helped me in dentistry. And um, as I didn't find time for that, it's, uh, I, I kind of branched off into photography. And I just, I really love nature and how it speaks to us and of God's love and God's words. And so uh, the way I look at it is, is God is the artist. You know, he, yeah. he paints these skies, these sunsets that are just amazing and constantly changing. And, and so I just go out and take a picture of what he does and, and, uh, and that can help draw somebody's draw somebody in you know you see a, a, a good picture and it kind of draws you in but the the goal is to draw the, somebody in and then to get them to read the scripture and, yeah. and hear god's words so well, that's and and your uh and you know i we go back and forth on facebook sometimes so your choice of text with the picture most of the time you're you're right on and i really really genuinely appreciate it so i do thanks. pray about that and that's takes some time to figure out and yeah. let the spirit lead and say okay I read a text and I go through, you know, a bunch of selected photos and say which one speaks out to me is, yeah. and uh, yeah. Oh, no, it's good. I re really yeah. appreciate it. So um, part of the reason that we're sitting here is, um, and I didn't know that the, about your story with the mono and how that's how God helped to start drawing you, mm -hmm. but you faced physical challenges in the past. You're facing some right now in the past few months, and um, tell me a little bit what's don't tell me what what happened at the beginning, and we'll bring it up to where you are now. Okay. Well, going back into the days of our uh, COVID vacation, um, we were off. We're still there a little bit, but yeah, not quite as much. Yeah, I, for for dentistry, we were off um, for a, a couple months, and um, when I came back in at uh, the end of May, I noticed that I. I had to wear double masks and we were really being protected more and I just wasn't getting oxygen and I just felt like you know every day I'd have these headaches and they started getting worse mm. so in the beginning of June I started actually medicating over the counter for headaches that I was having every day and and they weren't migraines but they were you know enough to slow you down and so then when it got to the point of uh, July mid-July I, I had my first migraine ever, and it was just really debilitating. Yeah. It was really bad. And then uh, as that progressed, I, uh, I started, uh, started losing vision in my left eye. Whenever the migraines got really bad, um, my left eye would go blurry, and I couldn't really see. But then when the migraine subsided, uh, then it, my vision came back, and I was okay. And then after a couple of weeks of that... Well, that would uh, be pretty, pretty scary. It was. For your patients. Well, yeah, yeah. And no, so at wait. that point, I wasn't seeing patients. So uh, when, when those started in mid-July, I think there were two days I went back to try to see patients again when I wasn't, you know, having the problem. And, and it just, it was really a struggle. So that got worse. And then it got to the point where I had uh, constant blindness uh, in my left eye. I, I mean, I, if I close this, I can see a person there, but I can't tell who it is. So obviously, uh, I'm not And that's still today? Surgery. Today, yeah, it's still that way. It's been three months of nonstop headaches and uh, two and a half months of not being able to see on my left eye. And so, so you, you have no depth perception. You, uh, now there's all kinds of things that go into this. Okay, so first of all, um, that means you can't practice, right? No, no, I can't. I wouldn't want somebody like me working on me. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and, and, yeah. and uh, um, yeah, I know you, you're my friend. I'll just say thank you for your integrity. There may be people out there who would still yeah. 
oh, I can I can do this. You it know? would not be right. It would not be no. not be good and not be right. So um, you're sitting here today. We've talked over the past several months. Uh, do you have a headache today? I do. I always have a headache. And I know yesterday was real bad. Today's not so bad. Today's a little better. Yeah. Some it, days are better than others. Yeah. We've got it done. I spent a eleven. Uh, 11 days in a hospital, uh, hooked up to IVs and uh, going through nerve blocks and uh, um, just trying to figure out what might work to help improve this. And it got it to the point where I don't have the severe migraines that just drop you to the floor. But, you know, it gets, it gets bad where it's just like a sharp stabbing pain. And, it, you know, yesterday was like that. There was times it just out of nowhere it'd come in and get you, you know. And so... Um, well, I'm sorry. It's it's uh, been challenging. Yeah. So um, I know uh, for the first several months they didn't know what was going on. I think you told me now they they isolated, they identified, and and given you a diagnosis. Yeah, I've I've seen I don't know ten, twelve different doctors, and um, they the doctors with the migraines that had me in the hospital had no idea why my eye was going out like that. They, they said, I need to see a neuro-ophthalmologist. And then the, so I went on to do that, and the, they concluded that uh, from a whiplash accident, uh, I've actually had two of them, mm. that there's been some trauma to my neck, and then the neck gets fired up, and there's some damage there, and that gets fired up, and it starts the pain here and just radiates across all the way to the midline. And that throbbing pain is is the causes the migraines. Well, they weren't sure what how did it um, how did it lead to the to the uh, lost vision. And uh, so after uh, five MRIs and three five MRIs five MRIs three CAT scans and all kinds of blood work, I, they stuck me more times every day than I can remember. But after all of that, they finally found a. Um, uh, meningioma, uh, a tumor on my optic nerve, and uh, it's, uh, they believe it's what it is, they believe it's benign, um, it's not in a place that's operable, it's... Uh, so it can't be operated on? Not without destroying my vision for sure forever. Oh. Okay. Okay. So the question becomes if I could still see some and it might get better, is there any other way to treat this? So they're looking at radiation therapy as a potential treatment option. We're right now in the middle of getting the, another CAT scan and then going to the doctor uh, this uh, Wednesday coming up, and uh, we'll know more about where we're going to go. But it, uh, it, it's probably the best way to treat. I'm just concerned about radiation and side effects with the, with the brain. Right, you know? right. So... so um... In some way, and I'm just talking, I'm thinking about your journey of faith in the midst of this. Uh, you, um, you've been wrestling. I know you've been wrestling. What's going on? Um, is there some relief in knowing? There is. In being able to put a name on something, uh -huh. you know, if you if they if they say we don't know, we just don't know why it's happening. It it leaves you a little. Right. little higher anxiety level. Yeah. Um, you know, through this whole thing, I don't know that I've ever really felt anxiety-ridden. I, I just, it's been frustrating. It's been extremely painful at some times and other times not. And um, I just try to focus. And I made a, I, I wrote it down. I made a list of all the blessings and all the positive things that have come out of this. Mm. And it just helps me to focus um, on something else. And, and one of the other things that has been positive about, about this is I've taken the time, I've got time now, um, and I've taken the time to, to reach out to other people that some of which have worse problems than I do, mm. and to be able to pray with them and, and just minister and talk to them and share war stories. And, yeah. um, it, and so I feel that's a blessing. And when you start Focusing your energy, your mind on on something else uh, outside of your just self centeredness, it takes away the stresses that you're under, and I think it's uh, that's it huge. Help. I um, I was actually talking with somebody else about this that uh, I go and I help a couple people, you know, and, mm -hmm. and um, one person in particular has been in a wheelchair his entire life. Yes, and, uh, you've told me about that. Yeah, yes. and I'm yes. just, it, it, it's like every time I go there, 
it's the antidote to my self-pity. Mm-hmm. You know, and I just encourage anybody, um, if, you, if you're in the midst of a crisis, turn away from yourself, look to others, yes. and there's some degree of healing there. There is. It, it's, um, I've experienced that with the mission trips I've, I've done. I've done several yeah, so you, trips. I was going to say, your, your house is lined with pictures, photographs from mission trips. How many, how many countries have you visited? Do you ever count? Uh, several times the Dominican Republic, um, several times to Brazil, the Amazon, to Peru, the other side of the Amazon, um, and then to Africa, Kenya. Kenya. Yeah. Never made it to Asia. We'll have to get you out no, there. No. We have to get you out there. So I don't know that I can do dentistry anymore unless well, the Lord the Lord may bring this to an end. And whatever he does, I'm willing to accept it. You know? yeah. so, so okay, so you're you're now looking at uh, some kind of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, actually let me let me go back because uh, I've been walking with you with this a little bit, uh, and I, I want to affirm this. I haven't seen you be anxious about this, and I want to ask you, what impact does that have on your family? Um, I, th- you know, I think it shows that if you can set a good example, uh, it's so much more. They they see what you do more than what you say, mm-hmm. and if you walk the talk, and it's and it's not feigned, it's not. You know, I'm just trying to put a front on. Is like I truly feel like, you know, I can trust the Lord in anything. You know, and and if He may heal me, He may you know heal me like uh, like He did the the woman with the issue of blood. You know, he, He's uh, she touched Him in, in faith, but He doesn't always do that. Right. You know, Paul had some issues with health too. Yeah, and, Paul, you know, Paul had an issue with his eyes. With his eyes, so, yeah, absolutely. Paul has an issue with his eye here. Yes. Uh, it's a, it's let's hope that let's hope that you you do get healed. Um, I still have one good eye. I can still take pictures. I went out for the first time oh, this last week, and I actually shot some pictures. And and uh, you know, I need to change my technique a little right, bit, but right. uh, you know, it, I can still do that. And uh, losing both eyes, with, and that's one of the concerns I had is they didn't know what it was. And is this going to happen on the other side? side? You know, yeah. occasionally I'll get a little throbbing headache over here, and I keep thinking, is that the start of the same thing? And I, you know, if I'm maybe. totally blind, that's different than yeah. this. That's but maybe you're. I, I've heard this that maybe it's just compensation that this eye is getting tired because this eye is shutting down, so this eye has to work harder. It, I don't know. There's times my a, eye does, my right eye does feel fatigued, but um, they. They say that the the meningioma is is rarely bilateral, rarely bilateral. So the the uh, the diagnosis, if you will, that that the whiplash that you experience and the pain coming up, that's not valid, or maybe no, that contributes to it. They believe that they're unrelated. That the, the uh, neuro ophthalmologist believes that the neuro uh, the um, um, uh, tumor on the nerve is not related to the headaches that it's oh, not really? causing the headaches and it's not is from right? the headaches and and yet i i don't know i i because when not, I, they came at the same they came time. at the same time and when the headaches got bad my vision went blurry and then they got better and it got better and so that's what happened i you know i can't explain that um anatomically but um so the current thought is that there's they're unrelated but coincidental, I don't know. Sounds, Lord knows. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I've had these. I don't know. In in the midst of this experience, have you ever had a? Uh, I don't want to say dark night of the soul, but a, a time where you really wrestled. And and felt like okay. Uh, I'm surrendering. You know, because here you're you're looking at giving up your practice. Yeah. Um, not the way I pictured it. <laughs> no, right, right. No, and no. and potentially giving up sight in one eye. I mean, have you wrestled through those things? I know. Uh, I honestly, I I haven't. I I just just keep going forward. I just keep going forward every day. I get up and I first thing I do when I wake up is start praying and going through my Bible memory verses. And I, you know, when I I hide the word in my heart and I I can draw on on those verses when. I need to, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart, um, and and you, 
they, they come to my mind when I need them. That's you know? great. And I think that's what's, what's in, in the, the series of three dreams that I have. I, I was going back to that. I was saying that's actually playing into right now, your it, experience It is now. because... And that was 30 years ago. Yeah, 35 years ago. Yeah, 35 years ago. And, you know, it started off as, as being an, an attack by Satan in the dream and repelling him by taking a crucifix off the wall, and he was gone. And then the next step was the crucifix wasn't there. There was a nail on the wall, and I, my Bible was on the table, and I picked it up, and I held it up, and get thee behind me, Satan, and he was gone. And then the third time I had the dream, some six weeks later, there was a nail on the wall with no crucifix. There was no Bible on the table, and I just stood up and said, I've got Christ in my heart, and Amen. you get thee behind me, Satan. And I never had another dream like that. So oh, great. I, I'm not a prophet. I don't have dreams uh, normally, but that's, you know, the Lord spoke to me at that time, and I think that's what I needed to hear. Amen. Yeah, we have some a, a friend of ours uh, is ministering to Muslims because a lot of Muslims are experiencing dreams yes. of Jesus right now. So... Um, and I think the, the counsel, if you will, that came out of that last dream, hiding the word in your heart, great counsel, and it's paying off for you mm -hmm. in terms of your faith experience. Um, so uh, what, what would you say, and again, we're still in the, really in the middle of this. Yes. I mean, we could come back and talk with you three months, six months from now, and... Um, you could be healed, you could be back practicing, or you could have lost could your sight and, mm -hmm. and, and sold your practice. Anywhere and, in between. Anywhere in between, right? So that's Paul's experience. And his faith is taking him through the situation where he has migraines, uh, he's losing sight in one eye. He's actually... Um, uh, selling uh, his practice. And one of the ways that he's actually working through this is uh, through his photography and putting scripture out on Facebook. And uh, so the question is, how far does faith reach? And that's just kind of an open question. In Rahel, in your case, you still have some issues as far as healing. Uh, things didn't heal necessarily completely. With Paul, he still has terrible headaches on a daily basis. The woman um, that touched Jesus' garment was dealing uh, with this for 12 years. And she reached out and touched Jesus's garment and was healed. But here, through disability, Paul is actually uh, finding additional things that he can do in order to be able to uh, reach through this. One of those things that uh, I heard was that he was memorizing additional uh, scripture and then putting it on his post uh, postcards and then actually putting, uh, posting those on Facebook. And they're pretty amazing photographs. So I just uh, wanna open it up to other individuals that might be um, going through some difficult times uh, during COVID. What are some of your strategies in order to be able to cope through this? And what do your staffs or uh, the people that are around you actually um, and uh, finding or see, see how you're dealing with it, uh, does that help them? Um, I'll share, Dr. Richard. Um, my name's Kiana Simmons. Uh, yeah. I actually am in Bermuda, um, not in the U.S., but um, we've been hit with COVID a little bit differently probably than other places because we're on an island. So uh, we got locked down pretty much. And that in itself was a blessing because, you know, COVID doesn't really come by fish. So if there's no one here that has it, then, you know, the limit to people coming in would get checked. And so we've been able to pretty much maintain a relatively low uh, influx of cases here. Um, I think still under 10 deaths in our entire island. 
um, which is really phenomenal, but we're an island. So we are connected to the rest of the world, whether we like it or not. Um, and the economy is huge. And so our biggest industry is tourism. And so one of our largest hotels just this past few weeks, um, they were planning to go into a renovation campaign, but with most of the staff and people being laid off um, during the COVID shutdowns and whatnot, because we too were shut down um, for about three months, um, it, come, it becomes very challenging. Um, as a dental practice owner, it's not just yourself that you're concerned about. You have mm -hmm. staff, who have families, who have mortgages, who have commitments. And um, you, you don't ask the question why, because we know as Christians that, you know, we've been pre-warned that this is the beginning, that, that these things will come. But how do you... How do you share that with people who don't have that knowledge? And, and one of the things I wanted to share was just the calming nature of, of what the peace that God had given me um, during that time. I've come to find for my patients and my staff post-COVID now, how that was such a blessing and a reassurance to them. I really can't say that there's something that I personally did, but because of the hope and faith that I have, um, it was able to show, you know, people say when crisis happens, your character is truly revealed. And I can't take any credit, but I believe that God really wants to work through us during this time to be, to be him to so many people just presenting hope. Um, right now in a world where there's no answer to treatment or um, really uh, keeping us safe from this COVID-19, people are really hopeless. And the only thing that we really have is God and the belief and hope in him that he truly is holding everything together and ordering our steps. And I remind my staff of that. It's changed the dynamic in our office so much. And sometimes I ask God, well, should I be trying to switch things back. Our times and schedules are different. So we actually can't have team meetings. Some people are working, our admin, some are working out of the office um, for social distancing requirements. Um, patients can't interact with each other. Um, so some of the things that we traditionally did, we can no longer do. But each patient, I try my best to have some type of contact and um, just wish them well. I've, I've also taken to um, tele-dentistry, which has been such a blessing, something I had never done before. And through that, I actually get to help people throughout the US. Um, and that's been such a blessing because in those messages, I can give words of hope. You know, I'll pray for you that you're healed and God bless. And one of the ladies responded, it was so touching to me, you know, once you're finishing, I don't know how many are familiar with um, tele-dentistry, um, once you're finished um, the message consultation, it's pretty much done. And I came back to my um, device probably about an hour or two later and the patient had written, wow, I can't believe you just said that. That really made me feel so much better. The fact that the doctor would say, I'll pray for you. I don't even know who you are. And I still have a toothache, but it gives me more peace. And that was such a blessing and a reassurance. We see all these things crumbling around us. We're not sure, but we see God working through it. And that has been such a rich blessing because it encourages us to keep doing, being the hands and feet, because it really is touching lives in more ways than we probably could do if we were treating our patients normally, even in the office setting. So you're kind of using your office as a vehicle and also the virtual uh, appointments as a vehicle in order to be able to spread the good news of the gospel. And the good news of the gospel is, what do you feel the good news of the gospel is? Yes, and in turn, it's such a blessing for me as well. It's an encouragement. Yeah. And, I, and I even wanna say to be on here today, cause you know, it's. It's amazing, the last presenter, he made a real point and it really hit home for me. So often in our sphere, we can only see where we are and we can only see our circumstances. Mm -hmm. And through this time, I, I would be less than honest if I said I didn't have 
my doubts and my fears and my calling out moments to God, like how am I going to pay the health insurance for my staff um, or things like that. But when I look at it, um, it's, I have a practice. I can see, I can walk, I can talk. And so when we change our perspective and our focus, it's not so much on, I, I heard a preacher say once, um, a teacher gave their students a test and they gave him a white piece of paper with a black dot. And he said to them, just write. And most of the students, if not all, just wrote about the small little black dot in the center of the paper. Mm-hmm. And he said, nobody wrote about all the white paper. And I think that's really something for each of us. You know, there are dark spots, but there are so many blessings. And I really appreciate it, both presenters, because they've really helped me realign, refocus, and, and not look at the dark spot, rather the opportunities that are coming from this to be more, if not greater, um, service driven for God. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Rahel, what were some of the scriptures that took you through your um, healing process? A lot of the Psalms, honestly, were just so where I, I, it's hard to pick one. I mean, the different ones have different emotions and depending on how I was feeling that day, sometimes I would just read different Psalms. Um, And then just, I think promises of heaven too, you know, because it's so easy to get thinking about this earth, you know, waiting, waiting for what God's going to do here. And sometimes, I mean, the, the, the main goal that he has for all of us is to be in heaven, right? So not, he wants to heal us, but heal us ultimately. So sometimes he heals us here physically, but sometimes he doesn't. Um, and you know, I have a, I have a close friend from high school who had a terrible accident worse than mine in many ways, in many ways. Yes. And he wasn't healed at all. He's still alive, but it was just very, very difficult. And so I think, you know, someone put in the chat there, like, what would you tell someone who is still in that time of searching and waiting for the miracle? I think the miracle for me was not even so much my healing, although, or my physical healing, although that was amazing. And I'm grateful for that. I think the miracle was the difference in my own heart. When I went through my divorce, it was very difficult for me. I, I was very discouraged and depressed. And, and in the process of healing from that and going through, you know, recovery groups and therapy and all of this, like I was able to find hope and joy again in God, like no matter what my circumstances were, because that, that was where my prayers weren't answered. I didn't have a miracle. I didn't want a divorce. My, my ex-husband left me for someone else and, you know, was unfaithful to me through our whole marriage. And I didn't, but I didn't want a divorce. I wanted to be married to him. And so I prayed so much for that. And it, you know, it was so hard for me to face this, like God didn't answer my prayers, you know, but he did answer my prayers. He just doesn't force his will on anyone. So, and sometimes his answer to our prayers is no, you know, and and that he has a bigger, deeper answer that is a heart work in us. And so, you know, why did God heal me physically and not other people? Why did God, you know, really work on helping other people, people's marriages work and mine didn't? I don't know. Like, I can't answer that fully. I'm not God, you know, thankfully. Um, but, but God does and God under, you know, I think we may not know until heaven fully. I don't think there's a lot of things we won't know, but um, like you mentioned, Kiana, I think, you know, it's finding that purpose and joy and meaning in what you do have. And that is what the ultimate healing is. Um, Not so much the healing of the physical body, although I believe God often does that as much as he possibly can in the great controversy, but that it doesn't always happen and that we can still go on with healing in our hearts, even if we don't have healing in our bodies. The transforming power of the Holy Spirit is amazing because regardless of the circumstance down here on this earth, God is longing to have that relationship with us eternally. And we'll go through any means possible in order to be able to draw us I just want to close with prayer and uh, invite everybody to, in their hearts, never let go 
of the faith that Jesus extends uh, through, uh, through prayer and the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us today. Not only are you with us each and every day, but in every circumstance, and you want to go ahead and have an eternal relationship with us. Help us to cling to the words of the Bible. Help us to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and be led. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.